In this episode, please keep your ears peeled for the discount code to my teachable course, How to Podcast Better Than Anyone. William Arlen Bynum, Arlen to those who knew him best, was a 40-year-old from Big Spring, Texas. He was a sharp dresser and loved motorcycles. On August 14, 2003, Arlen went to a local bar where he stayed past midnight. Arlen's truck was found in the parking lot later that day. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. As the host of Unfound, I really, really try not to allow guests to tell unsubstantiated stories during interviews. My experience tells me this is very much in contrast to other true crime podcasts and shows that are in your listening rotations. Why do I make this choice? Three reasons mainly. Number one, Telling stories with no facts can lead to defamation charges. Number two, you are all capable of coming up with your own theories all on your own. And number three, my belief is allowing people to talk about things that may not be true only causes more of the same to be created. Have there been exceptions in Unfound's history? Absolutely but mainly because the shaky theories are so well-known that they would be the elephants in the room if I didn't ask the guests about them. Some examples might be the ways Unfound featured Mara Murray, Brian Schaefer, and the Colonial Parkway murders. Well, with the disappearance of Arlen Bynum, given the circumstances, we wouldn't think his case would generate grapevine talk. But maybe the idiom is right. Maybe rumor has it. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Lyness's website, charlieproject.org. But do note, Arlen's disappearance is not on NamUs. Arlen Bynum was the youngest of the children, and he was treated as such. Even his closest friend described him as a mama's boy. Even when Arlen's mother remarried, he lived with her until he was 39 years old, with the irony being that she eventually asked Arlen to leave. That's how he ended up in Big Spring, Texas in 2002, where other family lived. Arlen had his problems, though. He liked to drink a little too much, leading to several DUI charges. In addition, Arlen had a drug addiction that caused him to congregate with desperate, dangerous people. And at the time of his disappearance, there were no signs that any of this would change. So, on August 14, 2003, Arlen went to the San Franciscan bar in Big Spring. It had a shady reputation, but Arlen had been there many times since moving to town. According to witnesses, there was nothing unusual about that night and into the next early morning. 
However, although many people admitted seeing Arlen there, nobody claimed to have seen him leave. Later that day of August 15th, Arlen's brother drove by the bar and just happened to see Arlen's truck still in the parking lot. Arlen was never seen again. Investigators questioned many people, but the stories went nowhere. One of the toughest jobs I have being a true crime podcaster is deciding what can and cannot be covered in an interview when there are so many rumors out there. Contemplate how you would go about making those kinds of decisions as you also try to answer these three questions during the interview. Number one, was Arlen's disappearance a hate crime? Number two, how much are you concerned that someone close to Arlen could not give a verified alibi? And number three, is a local man soiling himself during a police interview about Arlen's case enough to think that he and others caused the disappearance? Arlen's family is convinced that foul play occurred. The guests for this episode are Arlen's sisters, Lori McCampbell and Cindy Sturdizant. Unfound News For all the Patreon and YouTube supporters out there, I've picked out the next person for the monthly series Found. I will examine from disappearance to discovery the mystery of Kimberly McLean, a.k.a. Lori Ruff. Next, a missing persons project I last conducted in 2018 may be coming back for 2024. I will keep you posted if it comes to fruition. Finally, I'm running another promotion at howtopodcastbetterthananyone.teachable.com forward slash courses. Use the following code unfound202023 before October 25th to get 50% off either the course or the coaching. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, Tell your coworkers. A note before the interview starts. Even though the names of the suspects were in the interview outline and they were used in the interview, after I made the decision to mute them from the recording due to some of Arlen's family and the suspects still living in the same area. With those family members still fearing retribution from these people, who might have had something to do with Arlen's disappearance. Please realize, though, that there is no evidence that the people who were muted out had anything to do with this case. However, if you look hard enough, you will find the names on the internet. And yes, they are surely shady people. There is further explanation for this within the interview itself. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the sisters of Arlen Bynum, Cindy Sturdizant, and Lori McCampbell. Lori and Cindy, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Let's start here. Now, before we get too far into this, we have to, uh, of course, uh, his Official, uh, Arlen's official name is William Arlen Bynum, but he went by Arlen 
maybe you want to uh, want maybe one of you want to explain um, why he went I guess by his middle name and not his first name. How did that start, uh, Cindy or Lori? Uh, which one of you would like to answer that? Don't know. It's like that's how he was always known by. He was named after our father, who's W A W period A period did not have did not W A didn't stand for anything. Huh. And uh, well, that's because he had two grandparents. One was William Alfonso, and one was William mm-hmm. Alexander. And so, and then Arlen was named after Daddy. And he was just always called Arlen. Huh. Okay. Arlen, just uh, since he was a little kid, always Arlen. Always. Always. And do you even know where the name Arlen comes from? Uh, we had a uncle named Arliss. Arliss. A-R-L-I-S, I'm thinking it, it came, I'm not sure. Okay. Okay, that's, uh, that's interesting. Of course, William's a very, very common name, even to this day. But Arlen, fairly rare. And that's what he went by. All right, so if anybody's wondering, well, I thought his first name was William. What is? But in his everyday life, uh, uh, he went by Arlen. That's how we will refer to him uh, for this interview. Um, Of course, you are his sisters. How many uh, siblings does Arlen have? And maybe you want to talk about all of you growing up together. Where was this? Was this in Texas? I I know that uh, maybe you have some connections to... uh, to Arkansas and elsewhere. What can you say about that, either one of you? Okay. Uh, there was four of us. Cindy, the oldest, then me, Lori, Cecil, and then Arlen was the baby. Mother, divorced daddy, and the three oldest were left with uh, daddy at the farm, and mother took Arlen with her, mm. and then she ended up marrying another fellow in the Air Force and lived pretty much all over the country. Little Rock, uh, Albuquerque, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, then when she went to Papa Tom, they were in Hawaii, Guam, and back to Hawaii, and Montgomery, Alabama for a short time. All this military bases, wow. and then Avalanche, Texas. The rest of us screw up in West Texas, Big Spring, attended school there. All uh, three of us graduated from Big Spring High School. Okay. Very good. Thank you. So uh, Arlen, growing up, got to live, uh, you're saying he was in Hawaii, Guam, and all of that? Uh-huh. Wow, that's fascinating. How did... He lived in Hawaii and Guam for a while, too. Wow, okay. So... Okay. Let's, uh... Arlen's Freddie's almost as an only child with Mother and Tom. Yeah. Uh, and we did not get to see him very often. Obviously, for obvious reasons. I mean, it's a long way from Guam to West Texas or Hawaii to West Texas. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Good point. Right. Uh, when uh, maybe I should ask you this: When did you start seeing a lot, a lot more of him? If he was uh, with your mother, you're with your father. When did uh, all of you um, start seeing much more of each other? What time in your lives? Whenever uh, mother and Papa Tom, his final posting was at Dias Air Force Base in Abilene. Okay. Texas and Abilene, Abilene's 100 miles from Big Spring, and that's when we really, he really became a regular, consistent part of our, our life. Okay. And I, I bet with that was uh, good for both of you, right? I mean, after not seeing yeah. him for so long, it was good to kind of like get to know him again. Right. Uh, now, all the 
eldest, we were already in high school, but Arlen was still in high school at Abilene uh-huh. High. Okay. And we have to remember that he was uh, 40 years old when he went missing, correct? 40, yes. Yes. Uh-huh. So you, both of you uh, got to see, I guess, and interact quite a bit with him over those next 20-some years before he went missing. Yes. Okay, very good. Um, what is, uh, maybe just, I don't, uh, you know, we don't require too much complex math on this, uh, podcast, but what, what is the age difference between all of you? Well, you know, we don't have to give up anybody's ages, but like the ages from oldest to youngest. And you said he was, he was the baby. What, what's the age, uh, spread on your family? Everybody should know. Um, is uh, Cecil still with us? That he is your uh, stereotypical Texan, very uh, stoic, very stoic. Uh, uh-huh. Does not discuss any of this. Oh, okay. All right, but he he is still with us. But I just want the listeners to know that uh, I've not spoken to him. You you are the siblings I've spoken to, but there is another brother. And he is still alive, but I've not spoken to him. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk uh, about Arlen. Uh, like you've already stated, you weren't maybe around him a lot uh, growing up until he got into his teens, being that your parents were divorced. But once you got to be around him uh, again, you know, got to talk to him and got to see him, what can you say about his, um, you know, his personality? What were his interests? What you know? What are some of those things that? Uh, made Arlen Arlen. He was happy go lucky. He, he was in love with anything that was uh, beautiful and uh, good. Um, Arlen was a Pisces. And if you are familiar with astrology, Pisces can be two different people. Mm. It can one facade of I'm a happy go lucky person. And then high demons. And Arlen had those traits. Okay. Alright, he was a stereotypical Pisces. Now Pisces, of course, is what? Late February into March, right? Correct. His That's... birthday was in March. His birthday. Early March. Okay, in March. So he was born in March. The only reason I remember uh, remember that is I have a very, very close friend of mine who she's also a Pisces being born on March first. All right, I'm a Leo. I'm not a big believer in astrology necessarily, but people have told me I am your stereotypical Leo, so maybe there is something to it. Okay, uh, what was he into? Was he into music, art? Was he into cars, sports? Uh, you know, what was he into as a young man? He loved, uh, I remember his first car was a Nova, and he got so mad when our brother called him the Bondo kid because they had to put some Bondo on the car to fix it up. And he was very passionate about things. He was just like he fell in love with the Big Bend. He was passionate about the Big Bend area of Texas. He yeah. went to this one little bar called uh, the Blue Bonnet Inn on Lake Buchanan in Texas. And he was so passionate when he found out that they were going to demolish it for to build a road or something. And, you know, he's just like, he was just loved it, you know, mm-hmm. and just, he loved to dance, he loved his motorcycle, 
Love his mother. Love his mother. Yeah, most importantly. Right. Well, and you bring up uh, the motorcycle. I, I knew do know in his description that the the day of his disappearance, he was wearing a Harley Davidson shirt. Uh, is that what he had? Did he have a Harley Davidson motorcycle? Yeah. He did. Neat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. What about his education? Did he graduate high school? Did he go to college? Uh, and then we'll get into yeah. his work experience. What can you say about that for either of you? Yeah. Uh, the got his GED the summer before he disappeared. Wow. He dropped out. He, he had already sent out, they had already sent out graduation announcements, and he quit high school like two weeks before he would have graduated. Now, I don't understand that. I don't understand why Leonard Tom allowed that. I don't know, but it was so bizarre. You remember that? I mean, he had already sent out his graduation announcement, and then he quit. No explanation. So for the next like twenty years, you never got an explanation from him on that. Never came up at a fa- family gathering. No, I never asked. I mean, it, it, it was what it was. Huh? How did your mother? Your mother couldn't have been too happy about that. He pretty much let Arlen do anything Arlen wanted to. Oh, do. did okay. <laughs> All right. So he was the baby of the family. Did you think he got away with more than maybe the rest of you? that if you're going to say that you maybe need to give us a little bit of a timeline there so when you say that he lived with uh your mother until he moved to big spring i mean what what year or what age are we talking here uh as far as him living 39. he was 39 years old when he moved to big spring wow 40. and now he did at one time live with a couple of roommates in austin but it wasn't for very long mm-hmm. but again when i say he never lived by himself he had never lived by himself until he moved to Big Spring. Okay. Uh, did you ever talk to him about that? I guess he never showed any aspirations of moving out on his own earlier? Or is, was this, uh, I, I have to ask, and, you, and everybody should know that your mother uh, just died here within the last uh, couple of weeks. We're doing this interview on October 7th, 2023, and, you know, uh, of course... He died. October first, so just within this past week is when she died, and uh, so um, I, I know that still weighs very heavily on your hearts. And having lost a mother myself, I know what that's like. But are you saying that uh, your mother just uh, allowed him to stay with her, or was there kind of a controlling thing going on? Or what would you say about him, you know, getting into his thirties and still living at home? Yes, to all the above. She was an enabler. She had expectations. That, uh, for him that she expected him to meet and it was never to get out on your own it was to be there with her okay okay for example every friend that Arlen had be it a female friend or a male friend 
mother became their best friend. Okay, does that make you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Harlan didn't be friends that mother didn't take over. Take over, basically. Yes. Okay. All so right. He really had no skills to live on his own. Okay. And where where was this? You said he moved. We're going to, talk, of course, talk eventually about where he disappeared in Big Spring, Texas. But where was the? Where did they all live together? Okay, they left Abilene and, and retired to first. They went to Liberty Hill, Texas, and then they moved into Austin. Mm-hmm. And then my stepfather Tom Harper took a job with the university, with the state of Florida, and they moved to Tallahassee, Florida, and Arlen, oh. of course, moved with them. Okay. To Florida, and then when Papa Tom retired from Florida, they moved to Biloxi, Mississippi, and Mother wasn't ready to retire, so she was not very happy about it, but Arlen immediately quit his job with Sam's Club in Tallahassee and moved to Biloxi with Tom. There was, like, no questions asked, because mm. he was, what they went, he went. Well, and it, let me expect that during that time in Tallahassee, Arlen was uh, arrested at least once, twice for DUI. Yeah, we're going to get into time, that, right? Both times, mother, it was, of course, the policeman's fault. Okay. Arlen was never. Okay. Unusual topic here on Unfound of, you know, sometimes we're talking about uh, parents who uh, enable their children. Uh, I was I, I was raised much more, it sounds more like you two were, you know, with responsibilities and expectations and growing my independence and things. Uh, obviously, Arlen had a, uh, a, a different experience. But speaking of work, uh, you know, they're moving around. I guess he's moving with them. What kind of work was he doing? He worked in Tallahassee for Sam's Club uh, for like 12 years. He was a customer service rep or, I mean, anything. He really was really good at it. He was very good with people, very personable. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but see, instead of trying to transfer from Sam's Club Tallahassee to Sam's Club Gulfport, Biloxi, he just quit. And then tried to get on in, in Biloxi or Gulfport and couldn't get hired. You know, you don't just quit a job without having another job lined up. Yeah. Of course, that's what I've always been told. Okay. So he, when he moved to Biloxi, he worked for a casino. I guess he didn't stay in Biloxi very long. Okay. Before he went to Big Spring. Let's move on to this. Uh, we don't know, we're going to talk about this. We don't know if it was an aspect of his disappearance or not, but it may be, and that's why I'm going to bring it up. Uh, Arlen was gay. Uh, did, was this something that everybody knew for a long time, or was this a recent revelation, or how do you two view it? Uh, when did you come to realize uh, that your brother was gay? I think I know he was still in high school. I mean, he, it, but it's not something we ever talked about. It was just kind of, it was what it was. Sure. He, he hid it. He never fessed up about it. And there's no reason why he should have. I mean, I took him to a gay bar in Biloxi, you know, 
there's just no question that he worked at a gay bar in Austin. Uh, you know, yeah, he had girlfriends, but they were uh, platonic. Yeah, yeah, platonic friends, sure. All right, so this was not a, a, a new thing, um, you know, within like the the like the few years before he went missing. This is something that your family and it seems other people knew going way back to his teen years. Yes. Okay. That's a story not for me. I did not suspect Artemis being gay until later. Oh, okay. All right. He was very. He was very uh, say that he had any uh would you would you say that he had a steady relationship i mean kind of moving around like he did that might have been difficult do you even know anything about that aspect of his life and once again the reason we're bringing this up is that we're you know we don't usually talk about people's sexuality on this uh, podcast but we have to talk about this because this could be an aspect of his disappearance did he have any relationships uh, steady relationships throughout the years no Okay. Because mother told me how devastated Arlen was when they had when he had something happened with the relationship and it fell apart and so that's because he died of AIDS. Yes, the guy the guy the fella died from AIDS. Oh no. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, huh. Uh, there was a uh, I think he had a relationship with a gentleman in. So there might have been uh, at least one guy that like was a steady boyfriend of his at one time, maybe in Tallahassee. Correct. Okay. Did Arlen ever talk to either of you, or maybe your your brother Cecil, about any discrimination? Did he ever experience, you know, what we now call hate crimes uh, against him? Any discrimination because of his sexuality? Ever have any problems with any people because of his sexuality that you you two know about? No? No. No, never never mentioned anything. Not to me. As a matter of fact, the, uh, the subject of his being gay was mm. never discussed between no. Arlen and I. Okay. So, I do know that Arlen went to a concert in Tallahassee with Mother, and there were some young ladies, and, and you know, Arlen just introduced mother to them and the one of the young ladies said you must be gay if you're in a concert with your mother mother told me that because she and Harlan were so offended so so but you know the girl pegged him i mean what 30 year old goes to a concert with your mother i don't know yeah i don't know I think a lot of, you know, I'm guessing that a lot of men take their mothers to concerts, especially if their mother is into uh, the particular music, and they don't have to be gay to do that. So that's pretty rude that what that woman said. Pretty, yeah, that's pretty, very 
very uh, yeah, of course. Now, granted, it very well may be that your mother, uh, you know, uh, protected uh, Arlen a little bit, doing too much for him and everything else. But there's certainly nothing wrong with a guy going to a concert with his mother. Certainly not. You're right. Okay. All right. So let's move on to now. We're going to just talk about uh, some issues that you know may play a role in this disappearance. And the first uh, big one, not uh, to make a pun here, but he moved to Big Spring, Texas, but he moved there by himself, which, as you've already explained, is very different from how he had been living his life, living with your mother, going from place to place. He decided to move to Big Spring uh, Texas all on his own. What do you think brought that up? What was the big change? I, I believe that Arnold, because of the DUI, could not get a driver's license in Mississippi. So he was a burden at that point, a mother and our stepfather. And in Texas, he could get a driver's license. Okay. So he was looking to get to Texas so he could get a life driver's license get a job. Okay. Uh, and if siblings live in Big Spring, or at least part of it did, and he uh, wanted to take the plunge, I guess. Okay. So are you, I just have to ask then, are you saying that he moved from Mississippi to Texas because he had this problem with the law and was trying to avoid it? No. 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 It's a okay. matter that he just could not get a driver's license in the state of Mississippi okay. because of his or his DUI history. Okay, I got Martin you. All right. Never involved. Mother made the decision for him to move to Big Spring. He didn't make the decision. Huh. Well, that is, that is interesting. Being that, you know, she was with him this whole time, she was the one who suggested he go to Big Spring then. Let me let me give a little background backstory. Uh, she and Tom had retired, mm-hmm. moved to Biloxi. They had made new friends and new relationships, and they were loving life. Motorcycle club, riding, cruises, and I guess maybe they finally realized it was time for Arlen to grow up and go on. Wow! You know? Yeah. So, but. There was a lot of places that they could have sent him because of Big Spring because you put a gay man in that redneck town and okay. the consequences, the results are exactly what we got. Okay. Yep. All right, so it was actually uh, your mother who suggested he go to Big Spring and it very well may be that at some point he, uh, you know, they wanted to have the freedom and Arlen was getting in the way of that. More or less. That's okay. how harsh said it. That's exactly what it was. Okay. They, could, they didn't want to be driving him around everywhere. Okay. Yeah. I can I can understand that. Um. So what did what went on uh, in Big Spring? So he moves there. Does he get a job? Who does he live with? What what goes on? And and maybe we need to tell everybody what year was this that he went to Big Spring, Texas? Moved back. I guess moved back to there. And um, what did he do there before he went missing? He moved in 2002, and uh, he lived with my husband and I in Big Spring. Um, he kicked around and didn't have a job for a while. 
And then finally he went to work for a liquor store, and that lasted. He did many menial jobs. Let's just put it that way. He clerked at a, a mini mart, you know, convenience store. He he did put in an application uh, at the Big Spring State Hospital and was hired. And when they did a background check, the lady that was in over human resources, husband was a police officer. Well, Arlen had some closed files out of Austin uh, where he had had some run in with the law. You know, just a kid, basically. Okay. But he did not put that on the application. Mm. Well, she had her police officer investigate him. And they, she orchestrated it that he couldn't be hired at the state hospital because he lied in his application. Oh, my goodness. And it, now that I think about it, Ed, I, I think that was discrimination against him because he was gay. Okay, so you don't think it had anything to do with his prior charges at all. You think it had to do with his sexuality. Because this woman was, you know, one of those, Church All right, going back to Dana Carvey's skit on Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live. Yes. Okay, okay, yes. very good. All right, yes. so he had problems there. and But how was it? I have to ask, being that he was living with you, how was that going? How did that go? Uh, well, we had to ask him to move out because of some, he had some drug issues. Yeah, and we could, we had to that home, so we could have him dragging his friends in and all that good stuff. So he did get in, finally get himself an apartment. And I think at that time when we saw the downward spiral. All right. Maybe starting to see a little bit more of the real Arlen. Like yeah. the, like the every, I guess what we might call the everyday Arlen. The demonized Arlen. Oh, okay. Well, let's just move on to that then. Um, what, is this, uh, the first time you two knew that he was, uh, into drugs or was this something that you were aware of before? Uh, how did that affect both of you when you found out about that? Oh, he had been, ever since Avalon High School, uh, smoking marijuana and then one of his best friends in Austin who is, was his lifelong friend. Melody, you met Melody. Yeah, uh, he knows Melody. That's my name. But you're not going to use her name, but uh, there was a lot of cocaine going around in Austin. Okay. Back in, that was in the uh, 80s. Yeah, there's a lot of cocaine going around. All right. So, he loved to drink his whiskey. Uh, quite wondered if not alcohol. Down near killed me of alcohol poisoning one time in New Orleans. We were drinking beer and doing shots of Crown, and I almost, I swear, I came <laughs> inches from dying of alcohol poisoning. I won't do a shot in this day because of that. But, uh, okay. But yeah, he loved, to have, he loved to have a good time. He loved to party. Did he do more than, uh, did he get into crack or meth? I don't know. Didn't be shaking her head, no. We don't know. Okay. But there was three of you know, marijuana, and in Austin there was the coke. And, and, he, and, 
And and do you think, all right, so speaking of going back to where he went missing from Big Spring, Texas, so you think that he was doing drugs once he moved to Big, Big Spring as well? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, sure. All right. And I just want to maybe clarify this. So he's living with you. He has these drug issues. He, I guess you uh, asked him or forced him to move out. I don't think anybody holds that against you. Um where what was his living situation at the time of his disappearance? Who did he find? Did he find uh, somebody that he knew to live with? Did he find new people to live with? What was it? He had a he had an apartment in Big Spring. It's a one bedroom apartment. It was a nice little apartment uh, on Scurry Street. The month he went missing, August of '03, I was out there and I paid his rent. And I paid his truck note because he didn't have a good job, didn't have a steady job, and he was broke. Mm-hmm. And I should have just given him some money too, but I didn't. I thought paying his rent and paying his truck note was, uh, yeah, above and beyond my obligations anyway. Right. Right. He's not. He's a grown man, uh, you know, he's not your child or anything. He's not 15, right. right. But then Mother and Tom came out there later that month. He begged her for money, and he begged her to let him come back to Tallahassee to block the end. He refused both, and that is a lot of her, that was a lot of her guilt right. that contributed to broken heart syndrome. Because she said, she, she, we talked about this not that long ago, that she should have let him. I said, Mother, would have, should have, could have. His number was up. Right. Okay. You know, it's just, it was his time. There's nothing mm. that you could have done different. Okay. Let's move on to this. Regarding uh, Big Spring, Texas, uh, did he have, uh, he moved there in 2002. Did he have a relationship? Uh, I had been told... The, there might have been a guy in the military. We don't have to once again get into any names, but did he have a guy who was in the military that he might have had a relationship with once he moved to Big, Big Spring, Texas, for either of you? And I don't know where you got that information. I have never heard anything about a guy in the military mm. other than they went four women one day. That's okay. the only thing I have heard. All right. Uh, where that comes from, I, I can answer that. Where that comes from is that, uh, of course, the, the person that, uh, Lori, you put me in contact with, the original investigator, and the listeners should know I got to talk to this guy some weeks ago, he was the one who brought that up. And he even, he even, ga- he even gave me a name of this person. Of course, we're not going to name, put this person's name out there. But he was the one who, who told me this. Well, with that said, Arlen had that life that we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. It goes back. He was. A, he had two personalities. He had his night life. Yeah. And then he had his daytime life. But who knows what he, what kind of relationships he had okay. after hours? You know, I don't know. Okay. And I would. But if you're going to ask me where I got that information, that's who it comes from. And you, I know you're in contact with them, the original investigator. 
uh, who was very kind. I mean, was to talk for 45 minutes or something. You know, he gave me a, a, some insight, his own insight into this. But that's where it came from. Okay. All right, just so you know. All right. Yeah. All right. All right, so so we're not just sure about this. The investigator uh, says this, but obviously you, his uh, sister's not as sure about that. Uh, let's moving on. Let's move on to this. Um, I'm just gonna name these people because they're gonna their names are gonna be coming up. I just want to know if you either of you had ever heard of any of these people before Arlen went missing. I'm just gonna name them off. This is the point in the interview where the names of the suspects were first mentioned and listed. From now on, during the rest of this interview, when you hear the volume go down and then come back, that is not a problem with the recording. That is where I, Lori, or Cindy mentioned one of the names, and I deleted it. I now take you back to the interview about a minute later where Cindy and Lori say they had never heard of these people before Arlen went missing. Neither of you had ever heard of any of these people before Arlen went missing. No, we had never heard of these no. people. Oh, okay. All right. And I, I, I just want to bring them up because we're going to be talking about them later. And uh, I don't just want to bring them out of, uh, you know, out of the blue. Um, just some questions before we get into the understanding of August 15th, 2003. Uh, how was your family feeling about Arlen? Kind of, I guess we already got kind of that feeling. He's wanting to move back to live with your mother. Um, obviously, he did express maybe some regrets about moving to Texas. But overall, how was your family feeling about Arlen in August of 2003 about you know, his current situation, about his future, etc. Gosh, I mean, like I told you, I paid his bills for him. Yeah. And I went home to Biloxi and didn't think anything more about it. And I was, I was not happy. I was frustrated with him because uh, we would make a lunch date and then he couldn't make it because he was so hungover, mm -hmm. unable to participate in daylight time activities. Yeah. And evening go around, he would grab back up, spend his evenings or whatever he did, evenings and nights. I was very frustrated with him. Okay. All right. So not uh, my opinion, of course, I did not know Arlen. But it just doesn't seem like there was a lot of positive things going on in his life at that time. Is that how you would also stay? I mean, a lot of his own making, but is that how would you explain it? How would you describe it? Sir, I would describe it that way. Okay. All right. Let's move on to this. Um, August 15th, 2003. What... Officially, of course, on the record public story, what can either of you say? What do you know about his movements, his actions that day? For example, did either of you talk to him that day or maybe you talked to him the day before? What do we know about his movements and who he talked to on August 15th, 2003? He was gone. He disappeared. He, was, he went missing the night of August 14th, the morning of August 15th. So... Okay. August. Yeah, August 14th. Then let's talk about August 14th. What can you say about August 14th? Who he talked to that day? Did he see anybody? I know this bar, the San Fran 
San Franciscan. What can you say about that? Uh, I didn't see him during the daytime. He had a part-time job at the Eagles uh, Club there in Vicksburg. He was working as a bartender. My husband and I went in there that evening, visited with Arlen. He was on the high side at that point, and we made plans to go to lunch the next day. Said goodbye, the last we saw of him. Uh, after that, he took off early, according to the other bartender, he took off early and went down to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And was straight there, and that's all I know. Okay. And that's how abrupt it was. Okay. Uh, since you live there uh, in the area, San Franciscan, what kind of uh, reputation does it have as a bar? What kind of place is this? It was a drug den. It was. Yeah, it was. Okay. We, we wouldn't go in it because it was just too rough and uh, it had a reputation as a drug den. Mm-hmm. All right, so all the locals knew this and surely Arlen knew this. Would you say... Uh, this is not the first time Arlen had gone to the San Franciscan? Uh, no, it was not the first time he'd gone to San Francisco. Okay, all right, so he was known there. All right, and uh, once again, I realize you two weren't there, but from what the stories that you've heard, was he interacting with anybody there? Did he meet friends there? Uh, who was, was he hanging out with anybody? Was he just drinking at the bar uh, alone? What was he doing? So, and we'll, we'll come back to maybe some other people who were there uh, a little later. So he goes to this bar, and is there a story that people saw him sitting outside the bar by himself later that night? Um, just by himself? I don't know. I'm just, as an example, maybe okay. waiting for a ride or something. Was he sitting outside the bar by himself the last time people saw him? on the car smoking a cigarette. He wasn't waiting on a ride because his pickup truck was parked yeah. right across the street. Okay. All right. His truck, and we'll get back to his truck. So, uh, in a bit, so he didn't need a ride, but he's sitting outside. The One of the stories that's out there, he's sitting by himself outside the bar. And as far as the, the solidest story we can talk about, that is the last sighting of him. We understand, yes. Okay, very good. So when, um, so we now move into August 15th. Uh, when does it become a concern? One of you had already said that you were supposed to meet him uh, for lunch the next day. When did it become a concern that something wasn't right, that he was missing? Was he supposed to call somebody, supposed to meet somebody? Uh, when did the flag start flying that something wasn't right? Our brother's people called me late morning, wanting to know if I'd heard anything from Arden. And I said, no, why? He said, well, his truck has been sitting in front of the San Franciscan all morning. Mm. So we started trying to get hold of him. And he mm. always had his phone. Oh, 
Right. And we never reached him. And I guess we talked to the police that afternoon. I can't really remember the time frame. Uh, I think we took care of all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, pretty practically, we realized that uh, something was amiss. How, how did Cecil find out that the truck was outside? Did he? Uh, did somebody call him, or, or how did he know that the truck was there? Well, Big Spring is a, a pretty small town, mm-hmm. and you have to drop by San Francisco if you're going anywhere east or west in Big Spring. So Cecil drove by and saw it. So not there. Okay. All right. So he drove by, sees his uh, brother's truck. And it's there, it's in the morning, of course, that's going to be a little suspicious, and that's uh, how this all got started. Um, did anybody, like, go over to Arlen's where he was living? Of course, you tried calling him, he didn't pick up. Did anybody try to go over to where he was living, check to see if he was there? What, what did all of you do? I guess what I'm asking is, what did all of you do before the police got involved? So, of course, he's not in his apartment. And when does somebody, who was it, and uh, when was it done, who filed the missing persons report for Arlen? Uh, it was crazy. And I don't know if it was that 15th or the 16th. All right, so fairly quickly then. Pretty, pretty quickly then. All right, all right, so you didn't, uh, and uh, you should know, a lot of times reports don't get filed for many days, weeks, even months, but this one filed fairly quickly because you did not know where he was, his truck uh, is still at the San Franciscan, uh, the, the, the uh, bar that he was at the night before, and uh, what do the police do? Uh, did they, for example, did they go talk to people at the bar? Did they go to? Did they get into his apartment to look around there? What so What is your knowledge as to what the police did, to uh, at least initially? Uh, yes, they did gain access to his apartment. They went through it. Did you know their crime scene stuff? Of course, nothing was there um, mm-hmm. because he never went back to his apartment. Okay. Uh, and if they went into San Francisco, I. San Francisco, and I do not have knowledge of that. I would assume they did, but Detective Ryder was on the case, and then, of course, he has since retired and passed away. Uh, he would, you know, he would be, and then the, supposedly the file's missing. I mean, we don't know. Okay. Big Spring Police. Don Williams, Detective Ranger, is your best source in right. the Right, that's the and that's the guy that I, I spoke to some weeks ago. And uh, he did uh, give me some details about uh, these, these people. Eventually, we're going to talk about him talking to at least some of them. All right, so as far as local police, it uh, doesn't sound like a ton was done. And I agree with you. It does sound to me that 
uh, this this um, Texas Ranger Don Williams was the guy who you know seemed to do uh, a lot of this work, and I guess you're in contact with him since you're the one who gave me his his phone number in the first place. So of course, this is 20 years ago. He is now retired. All right, let's uh, move on to uh, some of these uh, things regarding the truck. Um, what happened to the truck? Did they do any forensics on it? Who ended up getting the truck? What, what do you know about that? Okay, the truck ended up going back to Mother and Tom to Biloxi, and then Mother more or less sold it, gave it to our nephew, Austin Stacey. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Do you know, uh, I, I since the, the truck was there, but are, to your knowledge, are the keys missing? Was it locked? Brother and uh, brother Staple and Teresa, and somehow or another they got keys to it. Okay. It wasn't broken into. I mean, we didn't have to break. Family did not have to break into it. Maybe Mother brought the keys when they came to Kenny uh, especially maybe not these days, maybe not 20 years later because everything's so electronic now, but at the time they might have the ability to cut a key or something. Maybe that's a possibility as well. Um, but nothing, to your knowledge, nothing unusual about the truck. Yeah. Nothing. All right. All we know is it was still parked at the bar uh, the next day until it was it was taken away. What about the the phone records? Do you know anything about Arlen's phone records. Uh, anybody able to get them? Do we have any idea if he talked to anybody on the phone or texted anybody while he was at the bar? Do we have any ping information? Know anything about that? No. Mother knew something that we can't ask her, obviously. Uh, the police checked the phone records. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Okay. All right, I, 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 it just doesn't sound to me. I guess the, the impression you're giving me is they didn't really lead anywhere. Right. Okay. All right. As far as witnesses go, we are, are kind of already talked about this, but I want to ask you about this again. Uh, and I, I did the, ask this specific uh, question to Don Williams. I'll get into that in a moment. But did anybody actually see him, to your knowledge, get into a vehicle with anybody or walk away? Did anybody see that at all? Or was the most reliable statement that he was just he was sitting outside that bar, bar and that's it? That's all we know. That's all we know. Okay. All right. Because in talking to Don Williams and, you know, I'm... We're going to talk about these people that we mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, in questioning all these people that he did, no one, he could never find a witness, like like you're saying. He himself said he could not find a witness that ever saw Arlen get into a vehicle with anybody. This, you know, despite, you know, at least anybody that would, you know, nobody would admit to it. Okay. Um, what about people who who you trust, not... Some of these other people we're eventually going to talk about. But, you know, were there any of Arlen's acquaintances, friends, who you trust 
who could say anything, whoever said anything to you, even at any time in the past 20 years, about his disappearance? Uh, what, you know, what did they say? What were their reactions to him going missing? Well, everybody that he knew and cared about Arnold was devastated, but nobody knows anything. I mean, or, or nobody's saying, to this day, nobody's saying anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. There is a story out there. Uh, this uh, I'm just calling You see it in the outline. It's called the $17 tab story. Is this a real story? Is this kind of just folklore that has kind of popped up? Uh, that... You know, the, the, did he have a, a, a tab that he left or somebody else who came and paid it? What do you know about this story, the $17 tab story? This is the first we've ever heard of it. It is? I'm not, yeah, Okay. have never heard of it. All right, let me just go over that. Let me read something to you. You say you've never heard that story before, ever? No. Wow. Mother and Tom handled all the... Uh, Interaction with the police, and you know they're the ones that hired the private investigator, and they were they ran the investigation from the family side, so they had all the information. I know nothing. And Ed, let me I wanted to lay it out here when he disappeared, and my husband and I knowing what he was yeah. into, right? Not knowing was he dealing with a cartel. Yeah. Uh, what he was dealing with, we were scared. Yep. We lived in Big Spring, and we didn't know, uh, was this a drug killing? Were they going to come after us next? You know, we were, and I basically just stepped back. I didn't mm-hmm. want my kids out there. I didn't want our names out there. And that's how brother and his family felt also. All right, so... What you're saying is because because of knowing the way he was and the choices that he made and things, you just really did not want to get involved that much because there was a fear that that all of you had. Right, and, and we didn't know anything anyway. Right. Now, there's been some information that's come up while during this twenty year anniversary mm-hmm. thing that. There has been some speculation that he was either a mule or running drugs for a cartel out of Acuna, Mexico. And it makes sense to me because in March of 2022, 2003, my husband's birthday, a bunch of us from Big Spring went down to Acuna and celebrated his birthday. On the ride home, he was with one of my girlfriends, and she said he was beside himself and couldn't settle down. So, you know, looking back, I'm wondering if he didn't make a connection down there. And we've gotten rumors that it was Mm. the cartel. Okay. All right. Well, we try to stay away from rumors on unfound. Yeah. Okay. We just we just we try to stay away from that. Uh, I want to come back to this uh, seventeen dollar bar tab. This is in multiple locations. If you don't know, I'm just going to read one of these uh, writings that are out there. Once again, I realize you haven't heard of this. I'm just going to read it. 
It just said, um, uh, Arlen was last seen by witnesses leaving the bar and grill, accompanied by an unidentified man after signing a $17 tab. This is something that you've not heard before. Right. I mean, I've heard the unidentified man, but mm -hmm. So we don't know. So I guess what we're saying is the $17 bar tab story is in multiple locations, but there's no proof that it's fact. Uh, I don't understand the significance of it. I, well, I, I think what they're saying is I think the significance may be to some people. I don't know what to think, This, but it's out there, and, you know, and I have to ask you about it. Um, you know, well, he was with a guy, and they left together, but there are stories that contradict that, just saying that Arlen was outside by himself. Right. Okay. okay. All right. And I don't know what to make of the $17 tab. I, like I said, if it's going to be something, if it was just like some on Reddit or someplace, I would never bring it up. But in multiple places, articles, I've seen it written, and so that's why I'm asking you about it. But... You two, uh, not sure what to think about it, have never heard of it, so that leads me to believe maybe this is just something, something made up. Of course, 20 years old, disappearance, a lot of things come up that aren't true. People start talking. Um, let's now move on to this. Um, already kind of mentioned these people, but... Um, when did his name, did you, you know, I understand you're kind of keeping your distance because of some of the stuff that Arla was involved in. When did you first hear his name as a possibility as being connected to Arlen's disappearance? Again, their investigation. I, this is Lori, I didn't hear it until, you know, much later because I, of course, I lived in Biloxi. But, mm. uh, again, a rumor, it was it's believed that Harlan and your man were in a relationship and want it known because of the redneck mentality of Big Spring. All right. So it had been a guy who, um, I guess as the saying goes, it was in the closet that he and Arlen might have had something going on and uh, he didn't want anybody to know about it. Right. I also understand or heard again, I don't know what's true and what's not, uh, that Arlen was in the San Francisco City mother that night. Right. And that is something that, you, that's the significance yeah. of this. That and you, when did you, uh, for either of you, when did you first hear that Anne's mother was actually in the bar that night and Arlen happened to be there too? When did, can you, I realize it's been 20 years, but do you remember? Uh, I, I didn't know anything about it until I read the PR report and that I didn't even know there was a PI report until we started this Arlen and uh, 20 years anniversary. Then mm -hmm. he left the room because he doesn't want to be around when they're, we're discussing names. I don't have a problem with it, discussing names. Uh, mm -hmm. But anyway, that's whenever I, uh, when I read the PI report, and that was probably in June of this year. June of this year? Uh, yes. Okay. And that's, I, because I was not involved in all that. Mother yeah. and mom ran point on it. Okay. All right, so there's, 
Uh, not sure what to make of this. Uh, and I did talk to Don Williams about, and um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure he knows what to think of it, uh, of him as well. Uh, moving on, uh, same story that his name did not come up until you read this PI report just a few months ago. Yeah, I don't know any of these other people. All right. You had never heard of any of them for both of you until the the PI report uh, came out uh, in in twenty twenty three this year. Right, I just read it. Okay. That was kind of the uh, the uh, trying to get this out to the media, trying yeah, to make right. something happen. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess we have to talk about this PI report right now. Who, um, when was this, the, this private investigator who worked on this, when did he work on this? Or she, maybe. When was this private investigator's work done? Uh, I would say probably 2004. I didn't know they had hired a private investigator. Oh, you didn't even know that? No. And you read the report, it's, it's a joke. A little bit. I agree. Uh, I, I agree with you that, I mean, my, the listeners know, of course, you're, both of you are very new to knowing me, but the listeners have known me, I guess, um, seven years, and they know that I don't take private investigators very seriously when it comes to uh, missing persons investigations. So, in reading it, not much of a surprise to me, but, yeah. Right. They just took money, is what they did. Yeah. Psychic stuff? Oh, my Lord. Yeah, well, it, yeah, there is psychic stuff in it. And um, uh, maybe I'll get your permission right now. Do I have permission to make this report available to the listeners and viewers? Can we redact the names? I don't think I... The way that the file's set up, I don't think that I can. Uh, we can talk about that afterwards. I, I'm not going to make any... I, I'm not... You know, we don't need to. We can talk about this after the interview is done off the record. But there, uh, the listeners should know there is a PI report. A lot of people are named. As you're hearing from Cindy and Lori, uh, it is at least a little bit of a joke. Half the report has to do with psychics. So that maybe should tell you something. I, I'm not a believer in, in that stuff, as everybody knows, at least who listens to the podcast. But So you didn't even know that this report was done. And and why did you finally find why did why did you why did you both finally find out about it in 2023? Was this something that your mother finally told you, or did you happen upon it? How did that happen? She had a, she had a, a file box full of you know all the newspaper clippings and and everything. And anyway, I went through it, and that's when I you know read it. And mm. I had her permission to uh, put it out there, but. I did not know that Sydney and Landon and Cecil and Teresa were had such a fear of retaliation or something from you know whoever whatever happened Arlen maybe the cartel or whoever did it uh, and Cecil and Teresa still live there and have family and grandkids there and they they really ask that names not be named mm-hmm. because they're attribution to themselves. Okay. So, I would suggest you talk. He's still in Yeah, well, I don't, I, I don't talk to people who I think are going to lie to me because that only then furthers rumors and lies and everything. 
these, you know, whether, you know, uh, whether they had something to do, what I've learned about them in the last couple months of knowing about, knowing about Lauren's disappearance and getting to know them, what Don Williams told me about them, you know, whether they had anything to do with, Arlen's disappearance or not, none of them are good people. They all have criminal records, and yeah. all of them are more than happy. Even if they haven't had any, didn't have anything to do with Arlen's disappearance, they're more than happy to send you, me, Don Williams, and everybody else happily on wild goose chases. And I don't do that. You know, this is the reason I don't talk to people I don't trust. You know, I'm in the information business, but uh, I only want information from good sources, and and the, and the rest of them would not qualify as good sources for, you know, my work. You know, because I'm sure they'd tell some stories that sound totally believable and I'm not going to get caught up in, in, in this stuff. So, um, th uh, there you go. Um, Alright, so you didn't hear about this uh, report until 2023. You got to read it. You didn't think much of it. I don't think much of it. Um... Have you, I guess, is this private investigator, do you even know if, if the private investigator is even still alive? Is there any way to communicate with this person now in 2023? The name of them? I, I think they're out of Midland, Texas. That's all I know. Okay. See, I, I'm here in Curtis. All my Harlem material is in Biloxi, so I don't have it in front of me. Okay. All right, so I even have it in the um, in the outline. Just asking you, was the private investigator helpful? I guess the answer would be no. No, I think it was a big joke. Was, they just took mother and Tom's money. If you ask me, they just employed yeah. mother and Tom. I, I agree with you, and uh, your family would not be the first one to give money out to a private investigator and get nothing in return. All right, uh, moving on to this. Uh, we don't like to do rumors. I already said that uh, a little 10 minutes ago in this, in this interview. But I think given the number of them that I am going to ask you about, what are some of these rumors? You already talked about this cartel rumor. Is, is this something that came up recently or is this something that's been going on for years or what? That's always been it's always been a speculation for years based on the narrative that I read that Papa Tom wrote twenty years ago. But different rumors. Uh, the one thing Ed, that I have discovered in my looking back into all this is yes. all the all the rumors, no matter who did what to Arlen, they always end with him being tossed, his body being put in a well. Yeah. Now, West Texas, all kinds of oil wells, gas wells, water wells, it's never specified. It's just always that he was, his body was thrown in a well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes off of Farm Road 669, sometimes that's off the road in the south part of the county. Uh, but it, they always, every rumor is always his body was put in a well. Okay. We've already, uh, I, I will tell both of you, I don't sign mine saying this on the record, heard a few rumors like that about disappearance. I'm not going to name any specifically here on the record, but I hear about this. I, I think what both of you have to realize is that I can't think of one missing persons case ever 
the, I'm not saying it's never happened, but being that one doesn't come to my mind, being that this is my work, it is so rare to find a missing person in a well that I would tell both of you, even on the record, my guess is that is not where Arlen is. Given the percent, the percentage of that percentage chance of that being true is probably less than 1%, to be honest with you. I'm not, that doesn't mean it's, no. un, you know, but you hear these things. Well, see, I'm logical. Yeah. I'm practical. I know what a water well, the water well is two to three inches. I don't know, I see oil field pipe. I don't know how they could put his body in a well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I, I don't know, but that's the, that has mm. always been the rumor. But, and then they see yeah. in his where do you think, uh, being that this rumor popped up, do you even know who uh, started this rumor? Once again, it might be true, but do you even know where the story started? No, sir, I don't. Don't know this, where the again. story started. Uh, did Arlen have any um, Hispanic friends, any Mexican friends that have ever been able to be tracked down? Oh. No, sir. Again, no. I was not out there. Yeah, we did. That's, but that's not popped at any time over the last 20 years. No. Okay. Um, any proof, for example, if he, you brought it up earlier, that he might have been a drug mule for them, any proof that he had frequent trips back and forth to Mexico? Uh, not to my knowledge. No. All right. Did he speak Spanish? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. Okay. All right. I, I don't think I grew up out there. He, you know, no. Okay. All right. So we got uh, any other rumors? Uh, once again, we usually don't do this, but there are quite a few regarding Arlen. Any other rumors that you would like to to bring up at this time? Uh, no. I, I, that's the only ones I know that it's always ends up with him being put in a well. Okay. All right. And I have it in the outline. We already, uh, there was to just pass along to both of you and the listeners. Um, Don Williams and I did talk about this military guy that Arlen seemingly had gotten to know, and I, I know what his name is, but I'm not going to make it public. I think that I, I know, I, that Cindy, this is the first time you and I are talking on this interview, but of course, Lori and I have spoken a few times. I think, um, maybe in an email, uh, if I haven't, uh, but I will give the name to you off the record of what this guy's name is, but... Uh, Don Williams did track this military guy down. I guess he was a Marine, and the listeners and all, both of you should know that the guy did not have a very good alibi for the night of Arlen's disappearance. Um, he was uh, Don could not rule him out as possibly being involved in Arlen's disappearance simply because this guy could not give Don an alibi which could be verified. And of course, we're not talking in 2023 terms. We're going back to 20, 2003, 2004, when Don was actually on the job. They, this guy told him something, but Don could not verify it. doesn't mean it was a lie. It's just that Don could not verify it. So, so there's that. So he kind of goes along, this kind of goes along with these other people that we've mentioned who have alibis, but also Don could not verify their um, alibis either. But what he did tell me, uh, he did speak.
Mann and Jerry Mann, when interviewed by Don Williams, Don told me that Jerry was so scared that he, how do I want to put this in PG terms? He did, um, he crapped himself literally while in the chair talking to Don Williams about Arlen's disappearance. Have you, oh my you you've not heard that before? Yeah, um, again, I don't remember when or where. Or, yeah. Uh, That's, I don't know the fellow. Yeah. Kind of yeah, but that is what Don Williams told me uh, regarding uh, his questioning of Jerry Mann uh, back at that time. Of course, we're going now back to the time of Arlen's disappearance. And Don did tell me, we're not going to go on the record with this, but Don did tell me his own belief was what happened and who was responsible. And But he did say that he did not think that necessarily had anything to do with Arlen's disappearance, but he thought that Arlen knew, or that knew what happened to Arlen. So yeah. that so these are all things that he told me. Yeah, I heard him talking to my mother about that. Yeah. So. Okay. Um. How? Please. Well, I just the conclusion was how tough it has been. And yeah. My answer is it's heart. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. We just want to Harlan. That's all another one. It was for us to find him before she died, so we could lay to rest. Mm -hmm. And we missed that window of opportunity. So, did did your mother? Uh, I the listeners should know. I did get to talk to your mother uh, first of all before I started talking to Lori, but I don't think that she ever did pass along to me her own personal belief as to what happened to him. Did she ever pass along her personal belief um, to either of you? If if, if you want to say what that was, you can do that. You don't have to. But did she ever tell both of you what she thought happened to Arlen? Well, I think she believed it was a hate crime. She did. Okay. Yes. Okay. So Arlen is gay. Other people know about it. They don't like that. And that is why he went uh, missing. Okay. Uh, moving on, is there, uh, so let's just stick with that. Uh, the last 20 years, uh, obviously, you know, being that you didn't know about the private investigator report to recently, you, you even, both of you noted that Arlen might have been dealing with some rough characters back then. You kind of kept your distance. What is it now, like in 2023, now that your mother is gone to, of course, you don't have to take on that responsibility. But what is it like now knowing that if anything's going to get done that you may have to be responsible for it, being that your mother's now gone? It's going to be me. I will be the one with the police, talking to the police. Cindy's uh, already told you they, still, they do not want to get involved because they fear for their safety. Mm -hmm. I haven't looked in Big Spring since I was 18 years old. I was not worried about it. I, I'm not afraid. Uh, so I will be the one that continues to spearhead whatever is done. It will be me handling it. Mm -hmm. Should ask you this. After that night, uh, of course, 
you know, you should, both of you should know that we've covered at least a few disappearances. In fact, one of them that just comes to mind happened in Texas. T.J. Murray, who was out um, at a bar and was drunk. In fact, he hit a woman before he left the bar. And he left the bar by himself, never to be seen again. His family also believes that, that foul play was involved in his disappearance. So we've covered some disappearances like this, but... Uh, were any searches ever done around that area? Maybe you can even explain. Is this bar kind of in a downtown area of Big Spring, or is it out on the outskirts? Yeah. Are there any woods around? What can you say? Okay, it's in the downtown area, uh, and no, there's no woods at all. It's, I mm. thought desert out there. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't know whether they searched around the immediate area. I do know that they used they searched in other places around the county uh, mm-hmm. with cadaver dogs. and um, But I'm sure Don Reeve told you all that to no avail. They didn't find it mm-hmm. ever. I should also ask you this. Being that he was, just to, as a possibility, I have to, this is the reason I'm going to ask you this. Um, how far away did Arlen live from the bar? So let's just throw the idea out there that he knows he's drunk. He knows he shouldn't be drinking, even though he had these DUIs in the past. And he decides to walk. How long of a walk would it have been? Like six to eight blocks. So not too far. Not far at all. All right. So we leave open the possibility that he maybe decided to walk home, maybe got picked up by somebody or, or something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um... NamUs, uh, everybody should know that Arlen is not, not on NamUs, and this is something that maybe I should call uh, Don Williams back and ask him why the police never put uh, Arlen on the NamUs site, which is a federal database for missing people. Um, did you two even know about NamUs before I brought it up, I, Lori? Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Okay. That is something you really, really should uh, put at the top of your list. To get done you can do it yourself you can contact them uh, but I will tell you most of the time it's the police who do that and in fact in some states they already have laws now that the police are required to put missing people on NamUs because um, in some states it's not the law I don't know what the law is in Texas now but that is something surely that should be put on your to-do list and where my question is going is, at any time, and has DNA ever been taken of anybody in your family in case remains are found? Uh, mother provided them with uh, his dental records and his hairbrush or toothbrush. or They've been mm. provided with, with DNA, okay. yes. Okay. All right. Because usually a lot of times what they do uh, is they will, the, someone will come out to your house and just take a swab of, and collect it. Sometimes they do it that way too. Once a, a missing person is missing for a while, but that should be a job. Uh, please. Mother might given a sample. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. so that's that's something certainly you want to make sure on. Get him on Namus and verify that they have a usable DNA sample, because DNA samples could be. Uh, relevant no matter if this is a, a foul play or not. And the last thing you want is remains to be found in the Big Spring area or anywhere else, and they'd be Arlen's, but they have no scientific way of, you know, proving it. 
that's the last thing you, the last thing you want. So I would really double check that, you know, as you move forward from this interview that we're doing on October seventh, twenty twenty three. Why don't we now talk about? Do you have a Facebook site set up? A website? Anything like that? Anything in social media? If so, why don't you list it right now? Okay. There is a Facebook page. It's called Where's Arlen? W-H-E-R-E apostrophe S Arlen A-R-L-I-N question mark. And uh, then there was some billboards, but I think the billboards were wow. taken down. It's one for the month of July, one for the month of August in Big Spring. But the Facebook page is a public. It doesn't to the public. People can post to it. They can comment. Uh, and also there's Crime Stoppers, there's a reward, the Big Spring Power County Crime Stoppers, that's also a Facebook, and Arlen is posted on that, Arlen is on the Texas Missing Persons, not on Namus, but he is, there is a Texas yeah. that's Missing right. Persons spot. It's different, but you're right, yes. Mm-hmm. And do yeah, you, do you two manage that, uh, the webs uh, or the the Facebook page, do you two manage it yourselves? Uh, I am an administrator, but Melody Phillips set it up, and then I have a friend who is very technologically astute in Biloxi that she also moderates it. Right, great. Okay, so so people you know decently well are people who are also moderators. Right. Now, have you spoken with Melody? Melody was Arlen's long lifelong friend I've I've not uh, I don't know if you've given me a phone number to her but if uh, this this episode's not going to be coming out I don't think till the 20th so uh, that's like two weeks from now so I still have some time if you would like me to talk to her I will do that if you email me her number I will gladly call her yes yes and Melody it was through Melody some friend of Melody that knows you is that right yes Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I have a, uh, you know, it's not that I know that I have a melody that tunes into my YouTube show on Monday nights. I wonder if that's the same melody. Uh, Don't. I don't know if she lives in Fort Worth. I'll just share her contact with you. Yeah. We'll get off the phone. Great. Okay. Yes, please. Because I'm not, she was thrilled whenever I told her we had an interview schedule with you. So, uh, but, uh, I can when we finish, and we'll talk about the PR report. Okay? okay. Yes. All right. All right. And so, why don't you give the uh, Facebook page out? Where Where's Arlen? Is the name of it? Yes. The and, Facebook. Uh, yes. And it's got all the newspaper clippings have been uploaded to it from all the mm-hmm. years. Uh, photos of Arlen. Mother's obituary. Uh, Okay. Uh, in, in the uh, previous podcast, like the local uh, radio station in Big Spring did a podcast. And two different TV stations, one out of Midland, one out of Odessa, did a little brief story uh, that's also uploaded to it. Okay. Lori and Cindy, any final words before we complete this interview? I just want to tell you thank you, Ed, for... Uh, looking into this for us.
You're very welcome. It's uh, it's what I do. Um, you know, I do my, the best reporting I can. I try to ask the best questions uh, that I can. And uh, this is, uh, we're just passing 20 years. This is one that's due to be solved. You know, yes, you know it's, uh, especially since it seems there are some suspects. I'm not sure what I to think. Uh, could be foul play. Maybe so, maybe not. Maybe somebody that's not never been named could be the suspect here. But uh, my job is just to cover the disappearances uh, as thoroughly as well as can be done. And so, and so I, I, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you both for being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you, let me know when it's going to air so I can tune in. I will do that. You're very welcome. Uh-huh. I will do that. And that was my October 7th, 2023 interview with the sisters of Arlen Bynum, Lori McCampbell, and Cindy Sturtisant. I thank them both for joining me and all of you on this episode. Before I go into my summation, a few things. I checked to see where Arlen lived at the time, and the sisters were absolutely correct. He lived just a few blocks from the bar. I think Google said 0.6 miles. And along that route, there are no rivers or woods which could be hiding his body all this time. In fact, looking at the map, Arlen would have had to have gone very out of his way if he ended up in an area that could not be easily searched. Although we have to remember we all thought the same about Bowman, and we all ended up being wrong. Also, as you heard in the interview, I spoke to Don Williams, who was responsible for Arlen's case at one time. Yes, he said a person he questioned soiled himself during an interview. Don believes foul play occurred, although Don did not believe the guy who soiled himself was the mastermind. Importantly, though, despite Don questioning many, many people, not one person ever saw Arlen leave the bar, even though some saw him sitting outside the bar alone. In addition, there was no proof that Arlen arranged to meet anyone that night. Still, Don thinks foul play occurred. This is the final item before my summation, and this is regarding the P.I. report mentioned in the interview. Given that it was poorly done and the family now believes they got ripped off, I will not be making it public. However, this further proves what I've said for a while now for disappearances. Private investigators are mostly useless. Now, my summation. I'm hoping that many of you have become educated enough on Unfound's disappearances to recognize that Arlen's case is very much like T.J. Murray's, Justin Gaines's, and Kevin Newen's. All men who went to bars left and were never seen again. Additionally, like Arlen's, all of their cases have unsubstantiated stories that involve foul play. TJ running into a group after he hit a woman in that bar. Justin after he allegedly got into a car with an unknown woman. And Kevin getting into some fight with a group in the bar parking lot. The key point about all of them is unsubstantiated, meaning there is no proof, 
no facts, no evidence to support the foul play ideas in any of those disappearances. I'm not saying foul play didn't happen. I'm saying there is no scientific reason or even a statistical reason to believe foul play happened in those disappearances. Then you may be asking the question, if there's no proof foul play occurred in these disappearances, then how do the foul play stories get started? Well, these are my opinions on that topic, having done this job for over seven years, and they are in no particular order. The public really can't believe people just walk off, so something else must have happened. The public is greatly affected by how crime is portrayed in entertainment, like movies and TV. Our creative minds can't help but try to fill in the blanks when answers aren't forthcoming. Our minds love drama, and foul play is more drama-filled than no foul play. The public wants to believe that all missing people are victims, when really a decent percentage of them caused their own disappearances. There are people who create stories out of nothing for the morbid fun of it. Families know the media pays more attention to murders than anything else. Are those enough reasons? I could go on. And maybe most glaringly, perceptually, there doesn't seem to be any downside for everyone to believe a disappearance is a murder. Meaning, theoretically, it's better to overstate the disappearance than understate it, making unproven allegations and spouting off large conspiracies. That way, everyone stays on their toes. The problem, of course, is that portraying every single disappearance as foul play when there's no proof of it only makes solving the actual non-foul play disappearances even harder. And hey, those ones matter too. This is why at Unfound, we portray all disappearances as they are, not as the guests wish them to be. We let the facts fall where they may without pushing you, the listeners, in any particular direction. There is another point, and this has to do with the men whose names were muted out of the interview and the stories they told. Stories aren't leads. Just because someone says something doesn't make it true. Or, as I've said to more than one listener who has emailed me about this topic, people say a lot of things. If people cannot provide anything other than their word, then it's not worth much. Why? Because alleged witnesses lie about disappearances. Prisoners lie about disappearances. As I recently described on the live show, police lie about disappearances. Families lie about disappearances. And not me, but yes, many people in true crime lie about disappearances. So, rumor has it. If you'd like to hear and read my further analysis on this topic, and of course, Arlen Bynum's disappearance, please go to patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast to sign up and partake in the unfound blog. Until then, I leave the public theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, 
give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Densel, and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.